You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the O2 Podcast. Tonight, it's me, Andrew, and Paul. Paul, what's going on, dude? Months, what's good, man? Feeling all right? Uh, yeah, I went out and took a stand down today, and it was really, really, really cold. Yeah. It was just one of my, one of my uh, sets of sticks and a platform, but man, it was cold up there, and uh, yeah. That it was, was cold that today. Was, it was. Yeah. So, um, so before before we dive in, I uh, so we 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 talk about this this on the show all the time, and that's that's go wild. So you know, everyone knows last year was crazy with uh, censorship on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I mean, Seek One, Hunting Public, like all these guys got demonetized, and so so you and I found out about Go Wild through through a podcast that that, that we both listened to. Um, so, so, you know, we've, we partnered with the social media platform, go wild, and we've done that to really help combat, you know, mainstream social media censorship when it comes to the hunting and fishing and outdoor, um, you know, industries and things that, that all of us listen to the show love. So, uh, you know, I love go wild. It was, it was built by outdoorsmen and women just like us. And it's a, it's a great community, man. I, I've, I have like completely transitioned my social media presence for what it's worth. 100 percent to go wild so I, right. i'm just dabbling at this point in facebook and, and instagram and well, not facebook but uh twitter and, and instagram so time to go wild.com you can download it apple store android you can find us the podcast has a has a page the o2 podcast you've got a page i've got a page on go wild just search us andrew months paul campbell and uh it's a cool place man you get uh awesome deals on all sorts of gear that they've, they've got partnered with. So I really enjoy that, that platform. So, yeah. And I, uh, I second that. And I will tell you that we will not be just up here willy nilly, uh, backing things. It's it's, if we're giving our endorsement, this is something we believe in. Yeah. Um, 100%. I don't, I don't play that game. So, uh, yes, get out there. If you're not on go wild, do it, do it soon. So it's, it's a um, cool program. It, it, it moves and it functions like, like what we're used to the apps that we use. And we had Brad on, he talked about that and it's legit, man. So yeah, give, those give guys got a lot of things down, uh, you know, in the, in the pipeline too. So for sure. Um, yeah. Some lots, cool stuff, lots so. to come. Yeah. So we've had a busy week in the state of Ohio and in, in outdoor outdoor news so you, you and i have talked a little bit about it and, and by this point i would hope that everyone has seen 
so the big acquisition, and it was it was uh, through the Department of Natural Resources in conjunction with the NWTF and then the um, the grouse, some grouse hunting organizations here in the state, um, the forest legacy program. The state was able to to acquire uh, one thousand two hundred fifty two acres in Scioto County. It's going to butt up to Shawnee State Forest. So that's a uh, that's one of those things. If 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 you donate to you know Pheasants Forever or NWTF, um, that's your money at work right there. And you know it's not it's not a ton of land. It's not a thirty thousand acre purchase, but that that doesn't happen. I mean, it's just it's a marathon, not a sprint. So I love I love hearing stuff stuff like that. So the state has done. I, you know, I, I don't know how many acres, thousands of acres they've done in the last like two years, but man, there's been, I feel like there's been a ton down in that Southern below 70 portion of the state. So uh, Jesse Owens is recent. We've talked about that. And then uh, yeah, there's been a couple, I, every time I'm on, on X, I see, st- and I see stuff pop up. I'm like, huh, it's public. I didn't know that was there. So happy to see that Shawnee getting bigger. Yeah. Always good when we're getting more public land. And sure. uh, more areas for habitat conservation. And thank you to all those involved um, to help that make that happen. Yeah. So let's see here. I'm actually, I was screwing around on Go Wild. Uh, and that's why I kind of zoned out for a second. But the other news that we had <laughs> came out on the 13th was um, looks like there's a proposal from biologists uh, within ODNR uh, and the Division of Wildlife to reduce the 2022 fall turkey season by about three weeks. Uh, we've got an episode coming up here soon with Mark Wiley, who's the the biologist, turkey biologist for, that's not his official title. I can't remember what it was. Upland bird game biologist. There you go. Official uh, for Ohio. So he's got some insight on why that is and what is causing, you know, the reduction in this spring's bag limit trying to pull back next fall's season limit, yeah. different things like that. A lot of it has to do with reproduction yeah. of the birds. And just, to, uh, just, thing, to, just, oh, sorry, go ahead. Once. No, you're up. Go. I would say just one, one thing. I, I don't want it to, it's not a doom and gloom interview by any means. So when we were getting ready for the interview as a turkey hunter, I'm going to panic. Like it's just been, Guys, I, I had to walk the ball off the edge. Oh, I, I was like, I was in, I was in a total panic. Like, oh my god, I'm never going to be able to hunt a turkey in Ohio again. And it is not like that. There's some things that we need to sacrifice, and this is, and this is temporary, temporary sacrifices, uh, and it's to protect. You know, this is a big long term vision. So, this interview, you guys are going to love it, and it, it really set me at ease as, a, as a diehard turkey hunter in this state. Really put, put my mind at ease. So. So one thing on this one, though, it was interesting, you know, you got to read the comments when these things get posted on social media and stuff, just to see what people have to say, Uh, because it never fails. Somebody in there has thought of something that you hadn't. A lot of comments about Ohio opening up a bobcat season and that if we just had a bobcat season, we'd reduce some of these predators. I think that Mark will tell us that that's not necessarily the case, but it's an interesting point. And when I when I sit in Central Ohio and have a bobcat walk underneath my stand uh, in the middle of the morning, it's not something I've ever seen before. So it has to it has to be coming down the pipeline in the next like five years. I don't I don't know, but I mean, 
you see them all over the place. I mean, you get on trail camp. There's a, there's a guy on Twitter. He's, he's a wildlife professor for, for Ohio university. His entire like, like project that he does for the university is tracking bobcat populations. And there are tons of them that he's getting on trail cams. It'd be nice to have him on the show. I'd like to hear about it, but yeah, predator populations definitely has an impact, but it's not the number one impact on, on wild turkeys. And that's, that's documented Mike Chamberlain, the wild turkey doc. He's talked about that. Don't get me wrong. I want to learn to trap. I want to kill bobcats. I want to kill raccoons, possums, all of it, but there's a lot, there's a lot going against the wild turkey. So we just have to kind of do, I guess, man, just as turkey hunters, just plug our nose for a few years and, and just muscle through it and just know that the, the those birds are going to be healthy and, and sustained for, for decades to come. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's, we'll, with- we'll get more into that when we get that episode up and it'll be a few weeks. We don't want to tease the turkeys too much, but the um, it's really good stuff. And Mark does a great job of explaining it very down to earth, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But <clears throat> just to note the white tailed deer hunting seasons, uh, those will be presented to the Ohio wildlife council, Ohio wildlife council on Wednesday, February 9th. Just so everybody's aware, there is a statewide hearing on all proposed rules that will be held Thursday, March 24th at 9 a.m. I'm pulling this all off of ODNR's website. So it's on there if you want more information. Uh, I'm sure you can find it on there. So let's so the other the other thing that's kind of cool, the Buckeye Big Buck Club is having their 62nd annual meeting, banquet and awards ceremony. And it's Saturday, February 12th. So if you get on their website, BuckeyeBigBuckClub.org, we had Jerry on, the president of the, of the club, you know, back in December. If you harvested a, a trophy whitetail in the state of Ohio, get on their website, get it scored, and you can get membership into that organization. I've never been to one of those because I'm a crappy deer hunter, but uh, I've, I've, I have friends and family that have gone to those. I know they really enjoy them, and, and they roll the red the red carpet out for for those uh, for those folks that join the the Big Buck Club. So pretty neat. Check it out. Yeah, and I think the last thing on the news side of things, kind of a sad story. Um, yeah, up there, Paul was at Delaware. It's Allen Creek. So it was on, uh, I believe, this last Saturday, um, the thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth. Excuse me. Um, Four duck hunters went out uh, in a boat on Elm Creek on the west end of the lake, and apparently their boat took on water and capsized, and one of them died. Um, the other three were, you know, wounded, injured. I'm not, I'm not real sure. It's, it's, it's. There's not a ton of information, um, but you know, hunting. I mean, this is this is an important conversation to have because all of us do. I mean, how many times months do you go out into the woods on a deer hunt or a turkey hunt, grouse hunt, whatever? And you have no first aid, you have no bandages, you have no like medical equipment. Hunting by its very nature is dangerous. And we all, we all forget that. And um, I feel so bad for the, for these people that, are, that were involved with this accident and the families over some birds, you know, and it's just, uh, it was tough to hear, man. I've, I've hunted Allen Creek quite a few times for ducks and um, it's just tough. It's, it's, I, 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 I feel awful and uh, I, I hate to see it. Yeah, and if, and it's, I, if, if it's something that just like the tiniest little bit of you know caution, and I don't know what the story was, I have no idea what happened. Um, but just preparedness or whatever it is, anything that you can do to be safe because we get so complacent, you know, and uh, it's scary when you hear stories like this, it's just sad, man. So, right, 
and it's it's one of those things we don't want to be here sitting here and preach and be mom or dad and nag you about stuff but you know a lot of times safety is uh put to the side we think we know everything you get really really complacent really comfortable be careful guys yeah. i had another friend actually i found out the other day <laughs> fell out of his tree stand i think he broke four ribs and lacerated a lung so oh my that's not a good way to start the year and no a lot of times we just need to slow down a little bit take your time make sure you're wearing your safety harnesses taking all proper safety precautions don't don't forget about that stuff so yeah. we've got a guest coming up on the show this spring andrew that i was doing some background research on him and, and listening to kind of his story and how he got where he is and and uh his dad shot him turkey hunting shot him mm. And uh, I mean, it's just he didn't do it. He didn't do it on purpose. His dad just made a mistake and shot him. And I don't know. I want everyone that listens to the show and everyone that participates in the sport, man, to be safe and go back home to their families. That's, that's what it's really about. So, absolutely. Yeah. Well, be safe. Uh, I don't know, Paul. What else? Uh, I was cutting up some deer shanks today. Uh, I don't know if you saw that picture. I saw it. It was hilarious. <laughs> like you, you said, you were you were going out to take your sticks down. And your wife yeah, needed so, you to cut up the deer shanks or something like that. So tell everyone what you were dressed like first. Time. All right. So if, if you get on the go wild or Instagram, I've got the picture on there from today when I was out working in the barn, I'm getting ready all my stuff to go help pull my sticks and stuff down. I have my saddle on my coat, my gloves, my wife texted me and she said, Hey, before you go out there, can you come in and cut up these shanks? They didn't fit in the crock pot. Right. So I grabbed the sawzall and I just ran in the house real quick and I'm just, okay, where are they at? You know, I pulled everything out. I'm sitting there and she looks at me and she goes, you are ridiculous. And I'm taking a picture of this. So here I am just cutting these up with my saddle on and my warm clothes and everything ready to go. It's hilarious. These just giant slabs of deer on your countertop. (laughs) Right. So fun. Um, Yeah, it was good stuff. So, Let's see, what do we got? So today, I was absent for this interview that you did today. Right. For, the, for, the, for this episode, rather. So, Right. So tonight's episode, today's episode, is going to be with Mike DeBolt of Performance Archery. So Paul introduced me to Mike, I don't know, what, six months ago. Mm-hmm. Said, let's go check out this guy. He's got an archery shop out near Newark, Ohio. It's the old broken not, arrow for those of you that are familiar with the area. Yeah. So we went out to this shop and I was kind of like, where are we going? Uh, Cause you start to get a little, a little bit out there, but pull in, walk into the shop and Holy smokes, totally amazed. Learned very quickly that Mike knows a lot about what he's talking, talking about. He got me all squared away. I hundred percent confident in, in my equipment now. He's good. He's real he's real good. good. He's yeah. real good. And so we go through a few things with Mike. Basically, uh, we had seen him down there at the ATA show. Uh, found out what you know he found interesting. What not? What he didn't find interesting? Maybe more than that. Um, and then talk about some of the things you can do to your bows, both crossbows and compounds. Didn't touch on the traditional too much. Sorry, apologize any trad bow users, but. I'm guessing a lot of it's going to be very similar and just how to put stuff away for the, for the winter, how to take care of your stuff to get the most out of it and other topics. As far as maintenance goes, Mike, I think Mike's going to be a a pretty good friend of the show and I'd like to get him on more 
as time goes on when it comes to the summer. All right, on the flip side, so we're pulling things out. Now, of course, if you can shoot all year round, that's going to be your best bet. But yeah, he's got a giant like range in there too. Like, what is it, thirty or forty yards? So yeah, and he's got all the three D yeah. targets, and different things. He's got so a good setup. He does, but he. We'll let him talk more about. It. We're going to hear from Mike again. Uh, that's the plan. So I think uh, you guys should enjoy this, and if you're closing down the season there, that's good. Paul, there's a lot of snow coming in as I as we sit here and record this. So any Five duck hunters, yet. good luck. Yeah, see, you know, I everyone's texting. Okay, you going out duck hunting? So I, I I hurt my back really bad, and I cannot get out of a layout blind. I can't sit on a marsh stool. I can't stand for too long. So I'm just gonna. I think I'm done for this year, man. For the for this season. So I know it's nope. come to the close. We're almost we're almost out. I might do some rabbit hunting or something like that, but. As far as like goose hunting, that ain't happening. Man. Like, You're just getting no old, way. Paul. Well, old and fat. So, yeah, that's right. This, <laughs> yeah. So, at Ohio Hunt Twitter, if you uh, feel so inclined. Um, what is the, the podcast? Yeah, the dot o two dot podcast on that's the gram. The gram. Yeah. Yeah, and then it's, but most it's, importantly, on Go Wild, it's O2 podcast. Yeah, the O2. O2 podcast. I should say it's O2 podcast. Yeah, and then Paul and I both have we both have personal accounts on there. I'll tell you right now, I don't use my personal one all that much because I'm usually just logged in the show's page. So if you need to get a hold of us, that might be a good way. And just so you guys are aware, we're we're working on some stuff besides just content coming up here. We've uh, we're getting real close to some rebranding and a new website so fingers crossed will be the next couple we got some really funny shirt designs in the works right right (laughs) it's gonna be cool uh, man i can't wait it's gonna be fun and it's all because you guys listening so yeah we've been amazed at, at the feedback and and everything so it's been great i hope you guys are enjoying the show but if you don't have anything else paul let's get to mike let's do it see you guys yep take care Good evening. Welcome back, everybody. You got only Andrew tonight and our special guest, Mr. Mike DeVolt from Performance Archery. Uh, is it in Newark, technically, Mike? It's uh, technically it's a Newark address, but I'm north of Newark, about uh, three miles um, uh, right off State Route 13. Yes. And uh, so I actually was was privileged to meet Mike here about uh, six months ago or so. He got my head screwed on straight with my bow, and uh, <clears throat> funny the story was he helped me get it tuned, and literally the next day we went out, and I was able to get a deer. So had he not done that, I can only imagine what kind of mess I would have caused out in the woods. But uh, Mike, do you want to give us a, a little rundown here about your store, uh, what you do, and uh, I mean, some of your the history of you and the industry? Yeah, um, I guess I, I started, I'm 51. I started uh, messing with bows probably in my early teens, 13, 14. Neighbor had a bow I got. And then uh, I bought my first brand new bow when I got my first job at 16. And, and I was working and, and I bought it at a local shop. Well, it wasn't really a local work for me. It was in Mount Vernon or north of Mount Vernon and uh, went into a shop and bought a brand new Golden Eagle and uh joined a an archery club buckskin bow hunters and they were in gambert at the time and 
and started shooting some leagues and got competitive and and uh here i am <laughs> but uh, no i i i got pretty competitive and and uh shot uh professionally for a while in several different classes and and um you know it, it kind of led me to working in an uh, archery shop in mount vernon for a friend of mine and then uh, went to that's when i I was there for about a year and a half or so, and then I went to work for uh, Maurice Potvin at uh, Buckeye Outdoors back when it was in the old Buckeye Lake store, and that was in the late 90s, and um, we moved into the new store, blew that thing up, and, and went crazy, and I had an opportunity to uh, leave there i was a buyer an archery and hunting buyer there plus manager um and had an opportunity to go into the sales force so i left and went to work for uh, a company called outtech sales and marketing and we had companies like hoyt and uh, easton and and delta mckenzie trueball we had the company represented about Oh, 20 or 30 lines at a time uh, in my division. And um, and I traveled all of Ohio, Western Pennsylvania was my territory, but uh, I did travel all over the United States doing different shows and stuff like that. Uh, excuse the noise there. Sorry about that. I had a light fall down the shop. <laughs> so, You're good. Uh, but, uh, um, and you know, I, that kind of changed up over the years. It went from me selling uh, probably 90% archery equipment to uh, probably less than 50% archery equipment. So, so I think kind of things changed there. So I kind of uh, had an opportunity to, to uh, buy this shop. It's been a local shop. I've known it since I was a kid and Actually, I went to school with Sue's, uh, the owner, uh, Sue Martin, and Dale, uh, not Dale, but uh, Bob and Sue Martin started this shop roughly about the time I started in archery 35 plus years ago. And um, I grew up with her son in school. We went to school together. We weren't real close or anything, but so I knew him and in a shop down here quite a bit over the years and watched it grow and, and uh, always good friends with them. But uh, um, I always helped her out as much as I could when I was around and, and a few years ago, she, you know, she kept threatening to shut the shop down. I was just, she was just going to shut it down. and wasn't doing anything for her and, and, uh, had an opportunity. I had sold some land that I'd, I'd had for a while and, and it was just a good time for me. And I, I walked in one day and I said, it's, this is it. You, you, you want to sell it to me? This is a prime opportunity for you and, and me. So uh, I took over a year ago, October 1st. So it's been a year, oh, a little more than three months and, and uh, it's been doing good. I really enjoy, you know, uh, really enjoy it. So it's, it's nothing's more fun than setting somebody up, especially a first time archer, you know, not someone who's never shot a bow before in their life. And, and watch them outshoot somebody who's been shooting for a long time. <laughs> right. <clears throat> so, so that's my background a little bit. Uh, um, you know, I've, like I say, I've shot a lot uh, in 
and uh, been to a lot of three 3d is my main thing um i have done a lot of 3d shooting that's how i that's where i shot most and shot professionally in those divisions but uh but um um that's my forte i guess but uh bow hunting, cool. is, bow hunting is where it started very cool and that's uh you know when i paul was the first one to introduce me to you and uh, i'm not gonna lie i was a little bit unsure of where we were going because Paul's, Oh, just follow me. And if anybody else, follow you just follow Paul and you know, that's what he does. <clears throat> but we pulled in and, and um, I, I, it, it's not a big box store or anything like that. It is a, it is a completely like uh, what a, is a old barn of sorts, but it, whatever, it, it, it's, it's just not big glamorous thing, right, but it's, yeah. it's man, when you get inside, it's got everything you need, everything you need. And the guy to set you up, I was just amazed. It was, it was amazing. The beautiful bows, good selection, and obviously the knowledge and everything that came with it. So um, I'm a hundred percent endorsing Mike's shop. There you go. Coming from my background, I mean, the shops I'd worked at, we'd sold guns and bows and fishing and stuff like that. I'm a bow hunter. I'm a, I'm a archer. I'm uh, and I didn't, I don't want to get involved in guns. I don't want to get involved in fishing. It's, I want people to walk in here and buy bow hunting equipment, you know, stuff they're going to use for bow hunting. Yeah, sure. You can climb up a tree stand with a gun if you want. If you bought a tree stand off of me that, uh, that, uh, you know, you want to hunt with a gun, that's fine. But uh, for the most part, if it's in here, you're going to use it for bow hunting, you know? Yeah. So, and you had a nice big area to shoot in, in the, try out the bows and everything yep so. we have a 30 yard indoor range uh, we do some indoor 3d tournaments and um some some leagues some spot leagues um it's uh nice and heated and and air conditioned in the summer and uh it's uh, it's a nice well lit actually the lighting's going to get updated again here in the next couple of weeks i'm going to update do some updates to it which should actually help improve on above and beyond what it is already which is going to be phenomenal i think so good well before we got on here mike and i were talking and uh, we ran into each other down there in uh, louisville so we just did the last episode there uh well i should say we did the episode there on, on things coming out from um the industry and what what's the latest and greatest and when mike and i were talking you know i I was there looking at all the sparkly and shiny things and how cool this was. And he, he said, yeah, you know, this is, I done this every year. How many years have you been going there? I've been going there probably for 30 some years. Actually, the first time I was there was in Indianapolis, Bob and Sue Martin, who owned the shop actually took me. Um, and I believe that would have been. Oh, early 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 90s or 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 late 80s maybe 89 or 90 maybe even i'm not 100 sure but sometime around that that time period so roughly 30 years do you want me to tell you how i was like three years old at that time or <clears throat> <laughs> that's incredible so you've seen a lot of shows um and was there anything that caught your eye this year or uh that you thought or in general, I mean, you as a, as a retailer, you know, what's the latest and greatest and what's coming out. Is there anything that you've seen that really stands out that is worth uh, taking I mean, note? Yeah. Like I say, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff out there and, and, um, 
you know, it's just, for me, it's just hard to really uh, look at stuff and say that's going to be the next game changer. And, and I, I, I really just didn't see anything like that. I wish I could, uh, I'm sitting here thumbing through a bunch of catalogs that I picked up down there and, uh, you know, I really just didn't see anything that's, uh, you know, really going to change the, the industry. Uh, you know, some of the, the bows are pretty incredible. Uh, you know, they got some crossbows out now that are shooting over 500 feet a second that are amazing. Um, you know, it's, you know, where's that going to end? It's, it's, it's a pretty incredible, but, uh, uh, but bows and compound bows in general, I mean, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty maxed out on stuff, but the features, you know, with the Matthews integrate stuff and the bridge lock stuff, uh, Hoyt's new integrated, uh, uh, sight mount and stuff like that. I mean, everybody's getting to the point where it's like, wow, it's just everything, how much smoother, how much faster can it really get, you know, it's, um, but it's they. It just seems like they they do do something that just just puts put uh, bends the needle just a little bit further every year, you know. So. Right. Now, I, with tough question time, when we were down there, it was very apparent there was a few uh, companies that were missing from the trade show. Mm-hmm. Okay, Matthews, sure. Hoyt, Bowtech, Elite, uh, Elite. So some of these big bow manufacturers, uh, I don't want to get into why they were there, not there. You know, right. we're kind of, kind of in this weird time of kind of COVID kind of not whatever. Um, <clears throat> but like as a buyer or anything, does that affect how you are looking to purchase throughout the year? Or is that something that you've already got your mind made up on, you know, where um, history yeah, those I mean, brands? If, if I was looking at bringing another line in, I would like to have be able to see, I mean, it might affect, you know, whether, you know, different colors of stuff or whatever, but for the most part, those bow companies have released their bows uh, back in October, November, December, and the reps have been in and seen seen you, or they've sent the bows out to you. Um, You know, if you're looking at, you know, some target bows or something like that, or maybe even the different camos and stuff like that on bows and what they look like you know the if the rep comes in you're not going to see that all the different colors and stuff necessarily so it's nice to be able to put it in hand i mean if there's a new model that's meeting a specific customer you know a lot of times you're not going to see it if a if like let's just say matthews they didn't send out a prima this year um last year they sent out a prima because it was a brand new bow but um you know, I, I've, I've got some coming, but uh, uh, that's a ladies bow and, and, um, you know, it would help, I guess, I might write uh, some more stuff or order some more stuff if I had it in hand and, oh, wait a minute, I didn't know that that, that feature would existed, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I think it would help a little bit, but for the most part, I think those companies spend not thousands of dollars, probably hundreds of thousands of dollars for the space they take up at those shows. And, and the return on investment is probably not very good, um, overall. So by them doing that, they probably just saved themselves a bunch of money with that little damage. 
had very little damage, uh, you know. Um, and unfortunately, uh, you know, the show is designed for dealers, but unfortunately, sometimes, I mean, uh, in media, uh, no, 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 no one will cut you guys out, but uh, you're, but you're they, good. It's designed for for dealers and and in the media to come in there, but uh, unfortunately, a lot of people who uh, you know friends of a dealer, a friend of a friend of a dealer, and you know on, on somebody's pro staff, which you know they're not they're not getting any return on investment from somebody like that going in. Now Friday, the first day of the show was dealer only, which was kind of nice. It wasn't nice for you guys, but. Uh, we talked a little bit about, about that outside. <laughs> it wasn't nice for you guys, but at the same time, it was it was nice uh, for me walking around the show because I I'd be honest with you, I spent I was going I thought I was going to spend the first day walking one half of the show, the second day walking the second half of the show, and and then the third day just going around finalizing stuff or picking up stuff that I didn't quite get, and and um, I was done walking the whole show by 3.30 and seeing everything I wanted to see. Now, I'm sure I missed stuff, but I think for the most part, I, I covered it pretty good. So, Yeah, and uh, with all your experience, you know what you're looking for when you walk in a show like that. So I'm yeah, sure you had yeah. certain targets that you had to get yeah. to. So, Well, and, I, and, I, and those shows, I mean, be honest with you too, I mean, I would rather spend my time looking at the new niche little stuff that you're not going to see from somebody a rep bringing it in the store because they don't have reps or or you may see it in a catalog or and not know exactly what it does or the best you know you may not realize that oh wait a minute that little thing does this oh wow that's that's pretty exciting it from the picture it didn't look like it looked like a you just stuck on to this and didn't do anything you know but uh um you know it's kind of it's kind of neat i mean you could really uh find some neat stuff there that's uh i mean it's not gonna like i say it's not gonna change the industry but it's it's something that might help out later on for sure i think paul and i found some of those so we'll talk about that later um mm -hmm. because that was one of the things we got we got into and it's pretty mm -hmm. interesting so um all right so got the recap there ata the rundown on performance archery Mike, what we want to talk about tonight, so we're winding down the bow season. I know there's a lot of people who've already hung it up just after after gun season rolls through. They usually just put it up for the year. And I really want to talk about off-season maintenance. Now, <clears throat> there's a few things within off-season maintenance we can talk about, and that can be about the bow. It can be about the shooter. Uh, it can be about the arrows, uh, all that kind of stuff. And we'll just kind of give a recap. Again, if anybody wants to go in and visit Mike's shop, that's where you will get all of your answers or questions answered. Uh, it'll take the time with you and, and, and really make sure you're under control. But um, as far as a compound, all right, so I'm hanging my compound up for the season. Uh, generally say that, you know, I might pull it out and shoot a little bit on a nice day, but is there anything that I need to do or a way to put it away that, you know, you would recommend uh, to keep it in its best condition and longest lasting well i would say that probably the number one thing that happens that i see is you know the last day that somebody hunts is going to be a wet miserable day and a guy will bring it home and throw it in the bag in his in his in his if he throws it in a case he throws it in the case and it's wet and the case goes in the closet and it gets buried underneath a bunch of stuff and it gets forgotten so 
you know, probably the best thing to do is, you know, let it hang up, dry it, dry it off, make sure it's good and dry. Uh, the newer bows all have, uh, for the most part, all have sealed ball bearings in them. So that's nice as compared to what they used to be. They used to be Delron or, uh, or uh, brass bushings in there or oil light bearings is what they called them. And, you know, if they get wet and damp in there, uh, they would, they would rust and you would, I mean, I used to have to, some, at sometimes you'd get the hammer out and have to beat axles out of limbs just to, just to get the bow to function again, because they just corroded inside the limbs and the, and the cams. Uh, you don't see that so much anymore because of the newer technology, but it still happens. And, you know, the best thing to do is, you know, make sure you wipe it off, make sure it's dry. Um, I try to avoid putting any kind of oil in the cam or in bearings or around the bearings because really all that does is going to attract dirt. If you think you got it really bad and dirty, the best thing to do is bring it to a shop and, and let the shop disassemble it, clean it up and reassemble it uh, with some, you know, some dry lube or something like that, uh, something light that's uh, not going to attract a bunch of dirt, you know. Um, I mean, that's not a bad thing to do anyway, once a year or so. Um, but for the most part, there's not a lot of maintenance involved other than string wax, making sure you get some wax on the strings and, and it's not, uh, you know, not uh, all frayed out and everything. So, but that's normal wear, that's normal maintenance anyway, so. Right. Um, so nothing to worry about with the sights or anything like that. No, no. I mean, well, make sure for one, if you got uh, lighted sight, make sure the batteries take. I would take the batteries out of the lighted sight because the if there's the little batteries, you know, the little watch batteries, I take those out uh, because if you don't, they're probably going to corrode or or be bad. But now they got rechargeable versions that are a lot better than they've ever been. Um, you know, try, I mean, just try to store the thing in a in a in a uh, um, climate controlled area. I see so many bows that are just hung up in a garage or in a barn, and and people come in. I mean, it looks like they drug them behind their truck to get here. Just kind of like <laughs> it's it's uh, uh, yeah, they're they're made to hunt with, but uh, it'd be nice if you might spend a little bit of time cleaning. I mean, <laughs> wipe them I, down. Can you can you hang on one second? I'm gonna run out to my barn that's not sure. climate controlled. I'm gonna get my bow. I'm gonna bring it back in. <laughs> yeah. Now I know. Uh, that's a, that's good to know though. And um, I was gonna say, you mentioned the strings. Mm-hmm. How do you know? And I'm, this is just novice bow hunter that likes to shoot things, but. How do you know when you're, it's time for your string to change? Is there a general rule of thumb, whether it's how many shots you're taking or how many years or, you know, uh, I've seen wait, strings. Yeah. I've seen strings that are, that look great that, you know, they may have had an accidental dry fire here or there, and they may not last very long because anytime that the bow is, you know, that, that it is shot and it, some sort of partial dry fire or or something happened that it wasn't correctly launched an arrow um i've seen the strings you know they may not break when it happens when it dry fires or whatever they may not break then 
but you've done some damage and it's working on the other strands. You know, you broke a couple of strands. It's working on the next strand. It's holding more weight than the rest. So I've seen strings that look great that have been abused or, and it could be a material thing. And materials, uh, sometimes they're not always uh, 100% uh, uh, up there, you know, the spec, you know, so it could be a material thing that uh, strings that look great have blown apart. And, and I've also seen strings that, you know, on factory, factory strings on bows that are 20 years old that will probably hang there on the shelf for another 20 years and not have a problem, you know. Um, but I would say every three to five years, even if you're not shooting a thing, I'd probably I'd replace them every five years if you were going to shoot it, you know, if you're planning on shooting it. Now, if you were just, if you weren't planning on shooting it, you know, there's no reason to replace them. Just hang it there until you're getting back to shooting it. But uh, um, I would say if you're shooting it every year and shooting during the summer, warm and and uh, shoot some 3D or just practice on a regular basis. Every every three to five years at the max, um, get a get a set of strings and and get a good set of custom strings. Uh, I I sell rogues here. I can get other strings, but uh, I've sold rogue strings since since a, since I opened and actually before we, I, I opened as as performance it was Broken Arrow and I sold them. Uh, through Bro Broken Arrow here, and I haven't had any issues whatsoever with them. So, um, and there's a lot of manufacturers who make good string sets, but uh, that's just the brand that I've I've grown accustomed to, and and uh, they they've never let me down. So, uh, so you mentioned something in there. Nobody wants to dry fire their bow, right? Correct. But you know. I, I might know a guy that went to shoot an arrow this year <clears throat> and the knock broke. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that was a, a correct release of the arrow. And right. the, my knock just shattered. So mm -hmm. uh, is that something where I should be looking at the, the string and, and looking for the frayed or the broken strands? I would, or say, I would say if something like that happens, obviously it's not necessarily your fault. And uh, unless, you know, you're shooting groups and, you're, you shoot a group and one arrow comes in and damages the other knock. Well, that's something you probably should have looked at a little closer when you pull your arrows. You know, uh, check your arrows, make sure they're not damaged. And also check the knocks, make sure they're not damaged. Uh, that's usually how the knocks break is because they got damaged from another arrow coming in and, you know, uh, and tearing it up. You know, whether you're shooting <laughs> someone shot across the range on an angle and hit your knock or arrow. You know, that's something you need to be aware of. But uh, yeah, that's that's a partial dry fire, basically. So I would say, you know, 99% of the time, you're probably going to be all right. But just, hey, if, if something changes on your bow, let's say you're shooting 20 yards and, and it's been shooting great and and um, it's dialed in and, and you have a shot like that where your knock breaks or you dry fire it accidentally, and you have to start changing your sight, moving your sight or moving your rest, then you may have done some damage to that string or cables to the fact that to, 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 to produce your sight to be off. You know, right. something's changed there that's, that's, uh, that's uh, more than likely your strings and cables. 
I got something else to look for. <clears throat> now I haven't had any issues with the the consistency. Set of strings, <laughs> right? I'll bring I'll bring the bow out tomorrow. But the uh, yeah. So, but you and you mentioned in there um, arrows. Okay, so we've talked on this show before, and I know that there's a lot of talk about arrow tuning and 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 different things like that. Good time to start thinking about that in the in the late winter, early spring, when you've got time to make the adjustments and, and screw on, around with that kind of stuff or. Yeah. Anytime, really. I mean, uh, anytime, even if during the middle of season, I mean, I mean, it's not a bad idea to, to play with it. I mean, yeah. If, I mean, you don't want to necessarily do it right in the middle of the rut when you, you know, you're going to be hunting the next day, but um, you want to have, you want to try to have it together, but anytime's a good time to, to, to play with that different arrows and different, uh, tuning. Uh, I mean, reality is if you've got one arrow set up and it's tuned, um, another arrow should tune, uh, different weight set up should tune on the bow. If you want to keep it the same poundage and the same draw length, uh, I mean, your other than maybe your rest height for, the diameter of the arrows, if there's difference in that, uh, really the a different arrow should tune out of it. Uh, let's say you're going from a, a 350 grain standard diameter arrow with a hundred grain point to a standard diameter arrow, but you're going up to a 200 grain point and a huge FOC and all that stuff. Well, you're, you're, you're gonna be going up in spine to accommodate for that so it, reality is it should tune out of the bow the same way you're just accommodating for it with the heavier spine um, and that's i mean there shouldn't be that much tuning involved right. these newer bows tune uh the new way of tuning bows anymore is is you know you set your rest where it's supposed to be and then you either yoke tune or or shift your cams left or right or you know some some companies have different ways of making your string travel from full draw to rest line up with the center of the bow or the rest so that it uh, it tunes good so and on that note <clears throat> so tuning is is doable at home and like the newer bows make it easier i think and that kind of stuff mm -hmm. but i have to tell the story of when i first walked into mike and i brought on my bow uh and i i you know i was one of those guys at home with youtube going and google and just trying to say oh you know if you want if run it through paper and if you're tail right or tail low or the whatever just do this so I bring the bow and you might not remember this, but I had that D loop so damn high up on that string and you just took one look at it. You're like, Whoa, man, that's, that's way off. I can tell you right now, but the, <laughs> the stupid part was you had me shoot through the paper and the first one was like a bullet hole. And we're like, and even you were like, wait a second, what, what's going on here? Like, why was that? All right. So then I shoot a couple more and you're like, and it's starting to show it's, or oh, it's off. You got it all lined up and perfect and beautiful. So, um, I'm yeah, not. I'm pretty, I'm pretty much an advocate. If it doesn't look square, up and down, left and right, then something's wrong. If you have to throw some English into that arrow to get it to, to, to shoot a, a hole through paper, uh, if you step back another two or three feet or maybe five feet, then that hole is probably not going to be perfect anymore. 
because you're just catching that arrow where it's where it's perfect uh, at that distance. So um, I if it doesn't look square with the string and left and right and up and down, it, it I can't I can't deal with that. It has to be it has to be square. It wasn't designed to be the bows these days aren't designed to be uh, looking knock high or knock low or or arrow kicked out to the left or arrow kicked out to the right. I mean, they, they, there's no reason 90% of the bows out there, 99% of the bows out there shouldn't be looking square, so. So if you're like me and you don't have the quite the eye or the tools, there are a lot of tools involved with the bow press and some of the different things, <clears throat> people like Mike or other local bow shops around Ohio uh, or in the area, they carry us. So, all right, Mike crossbows are we if we're a crossbow shooter is there anything different as far as this off-season maintenance goes and i guess one of the thoughts i've heard is you know some of these really fast bows are wound really really tight i mean your string life is shorter maybe yeah. than on some things well, yeah I, I i equate that to basically uh go down here to national trails drag dragway and watch the uh, top fuelers go down the track what's the first thing they do when they get back to the pits they rebuild the engine I mean, and then you could drive your uh, family vehicle up and down the track all day long and never even change your oil, you know. So you're talking about these bows are shooting up to 500 feet a second. I mean, they're even saying it in the, in their manuals, you know, two to three to maybe 400 shots, you need to replace the strings. And then the bows are sitting there all year long, um, cocked, or not cocked, but uh, with pressure on the strings, and you know they they they've got a lot of weight on them at, at rest you know so uh those strings are just stretching and stretching and stretching they're it's not like they're uh it's not like they're just totally relaxed they they've got a lot of pressure on those strings so that's how they get that speed so uh the old hortons the old horton summits and stuff old horton hunters that are shooting 260 270 feet a second I see them every, every, all the time, every year. And, and those things have been around forever and they keep, you know, you could sit there and dry fire them half a dozen times. Those things are made to do that, you know, not, not that you should, but uh, they were, they were designed to put up with that kind of abuse where you dry fire or shoot a bad arrow or broken knock out of one of these newer bows and you're picking pieces up and, and hopefully they're, they're not going to, it, not in your own skin or <laughs> or right. in your eyes or anything it definitely so you you mentioned on these ones they've got a certain shot limit generally on and before you're replacing the strings versus more on the compound yeah. we were on like that three to five year yeah well i mean i mean let's just the the the, the elephant in the room basically the ravens you know raven came out with the big fast bows a few years ago you know shooting over 400 feet a second and uh, 450 plus feet a second and now they're at 500 but uh you know the and 10, point, they're 10 saying, points got one that's over five 505 yeah, the 10, nitro or yeah, 10, yep 10 points got a new one out it's 505 and i'm sure they're they're not i mean i'm sure they're probably around three or four hundred shots too as well um uh i kind of like their design a little better i like that rear re reverse limb deal allows for a longer power stroke and and uh and uh less um uh, less length so it's a lot more compact but uh 
yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're just, uh, you're, they're pushing the limits and, and in order to get speed and, and energy, I guess I shouldn't say just speed, but energy. Yes. And, um, I'm, and we talked about this before. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a ranch ferry fan at all. I mean, uh, I'm, a, uh, speeds in the kinetic energy formula twice. And there's a reason for that. People miss deer high, low, left and right and energy and, is energy uh, only counts if you hit the spot. And, uh, so uh, I you know there's a there's a uh, fine line you got to walk on, walk. But uh, I'm a, I'm more of a, a a speed guy myself, within reason. See, and Mike, we can be friends. You know, that's yeah. uh, that's how this works, right? Yep. Yep. Um, Cool. Just, well, not, just not close friends. Right. <laughs> oh shoot. Let's see. So, is there anything else that we should be thinking about here, with uh, as far as maintenance goes, with the bows that we missed? Um, no, just I mean, uh, you know, I, I talked to some of the guys on the crossbows. You know that we were talking about possibly after season they were going to have me take the strings off of which that's probably not a bad idea but it's you still got to put them back on and when you get closer to season so you're gonna have to recite everything in but uh it's probably not a it's not a terrible idea but i don't know if it's 100 percent necessary so they're gonna take them off and leave them off for a few months yeah leave them off during the off season or you know um uh the other thing shoot i just lost my train of thought there um um, oh, the the one reason you're seeing a lot of issues with those higher poundage bows is, you know, they're starting to get three or four years on them now. Uh, those they're now that this and now the strings are really starting to go. I doubt they're three or four years old. So, so that's that's why we're seeing a lot of issues with those bows. But uh, gotcha. But that's the only thing else I can think of right off the hand. So cool. Uh, now, this is probably a bad question to ask a guy who owns a bow shop, but uh, one of the other things I want to talk to you a little bit about was if, if when is a good time to buy a new bow? And I'm sure your answer is anytime, right? But uh, if you were if you were going to go in and you want to you know, get something set up, obviously you want to give yourself enough time to get comfortable with it yeah. before you're going out and using it for its intended purpose. Um, but is there a time of the year when it comes to, I don't want to say sales, but like if you want to get a good bow or, or you want to, you know, have a good selection and have a good time to use it and all that kind of stuff, is there a window that you would say that's better or worse? And I guess the other side of that question is uh, if you were looking for a used bow, is there anything uh, on the, that so, side of it? I say, if, I mean, let's go to the used side. I mean, if you're looking to get a used bow, now's a good time because there's a lot of people who bought new bows in the last few years that are upgrading to the newer bows this year. Um, and so there's a lot of, I mean, like right now there's a lot of V3s out on the market because the V3X just came out, you know, uh, but there's a lot of people doing that. So uh, it's a good time to buy them. Um, and, you know, you don't want to buy a, 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 a bow in July or, or September um, and it's, if you're going to do it right, because I, I would never buy a used bow off somebody, especially I didn't know, and not just go in and totally rebuild it, put a new set of strings on it, because you don't know what that guy's done to it. You don't know uh, the life of that. You don't know if that thing's been dry fired a dozen times on purpose or 
uh, you know, or if it's ever been dry fired, but I'd start fresh with a whole new, uh, you know, if you're going to do that, start fresh. And so you don't want to do that in July or September unless you've got time because, uh, well, last year we run into six to eight weeks on, on lead time on custom strings. And that was not fun telling somebody that you're not getting a new set of strings for six to eight weeks. And that wasn't just rogue. That was every custom manufacturer uh, of strings because they were just so far behind uh, last year. I mean, with uh, labor issues and, and, and supply issues, it was, it was uh, pretty bad. So since we're talking about that, uh, are you for seeing any of that here for uh, the beginning of this year? And I, I think I know the answer because in my world, uh, the, yes, we are still dealing with a lot of that. So, yeah, we are on some stuff, especially site companies and release companies. Uh, they are behind quite a bit. Uh, the bow companies aren't too bad. A couple of them aren't. A couple of them seem to have not been able to get their stuff together. Uh, but uh, Matthews has been pretty responsive. They've been, I mean, you can get a bow pretty quick out of Matthews right now, uh, which is amazing the amount of bows they're sending out the door to begin with. And, and if you call them up, you get a standard size or whatever, which doesn't really matter because they have the switch weight mods. Um, you can you can get a bow out in a couple of weeks. So um, with... Uh, um, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, go ahead. Uh, what was the question? Uh, what, well, you, question? We were talking about like uh, supply chain issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matthews okay, was yeah, on yeah. it. Yeah. So a, a particular site or a particular rest or or release. Uh, that's that's been the uh, that's been the thing. Uh, I've had I've had an order in with Trueball and Excel for since September. And uh, I'm probably not going to see it till March is what I've been told. So, and that may be, that's questionable. So, and that, the good thing was that's a, that's a, that was a target sites and target releases and stuff like that, which, which I knew was going to be a hard hit. So that's why I ordered it in September, hoping I'd get them first year. So uh, yeah, there, there are definitely some issues uh, out there, but, uh, uh, but as far as just basic bow hunting, you're probably going to be good. Yeah. And I think the name of the game is if you've got something special or, you know, something really that specific that you want, you might have to be patient and you might have to, mm -hmm. uh, you might have to wait a little bit, but yeah. you know, that's uh, the world we live in right now. So, sure. all right. So let's say, uh, and we're getting close, Mike, I promise. Uh, good. we are, uh, off season. We're, we're right now we're, we're feeling real good, right? We don't want to lose our, our, I don't know, mojo or just this our you know our, our strengths that we've gotten over over the season of shooting and continue shooting what what kind of events i always hear people talk about oh i'm going to 3d shoot or this and that i guess what kind of events do we have around ohio and how do you is there a way to figure out where those are being held to stay up and you know give you something to kind of work with work towards in the spring um, yeah i mean late winter the 3d shoots are uh, definitely if you're a bow hunter you want to stay fresh bow hunting 3d shoots are the way to go um or even just like i talked earlier you know people come in throw their bow in a case and it goes in the closet and, and they don't see it till september or october 
you know, the best thing to do, don't do that. Hang it up where you can see it, where you can be reminded about it. And every couple of weeks, pull it down and shoot a few arrows. Um, you know, don't just throw it off the side and, and, uh, and it's forgotten until you were driving home from work one day and see a big buck, you know, in, in, in September. Oh, maybe I need to get, get my bow out, you know, I need to, you know, that's, that's the thing. Every year around July, you know, people were out at Fourth of July parties and stuff like that. It seems like the middle of July, it really, it starts up because people start seeing antlers. You know, the velvet, uh, big antlers on the on the deer, and you you start seeing the activity. You know, guy got a picture of one on the camera, and, and then he starts thinking about it. You know, so uh, you know, just put your bow someplace where you can, where you where it reminds you to start shooting and keep shooting it. You know. Uh, there's there's lots of uh, 3D events. If you don't know where there's a 3D shoot, get a hold of your local shop and say, hey, is there a 3D shoot? I mean, you don't have to be a, a, a great shot, you know, to, to go to a 3D shoot, you know, just go and have fun. You know, who, who cares if you if you hit every other target or whatever, you know, you're at least trying, uh, you know, just get out there and do it. And, um, you know, it's it's it may develop into something. And where 30 years later, you're, you got a shop, <laughs> <laughs> right? You're um, on a podcast. So. <laughs> right. Oh, shoot. Well, Mike, that's been great. Um, I really appreciate you, you coming on here today and, and talking to us. I, I learned a lot. I hope that our audience was also learned a lot. Do you uh, want to give everybody one more time your information as far as where your shop's yeah. located? I And I just to clarify, it's Proformance Archery. Yeah. So it's P-R-O. Yeah, P-R-O. It's kind of a play on words. I wanted people to know that it was professional archery shop and then form. Form is kind of like archery form. So that's I, I just that's a name that stuck in my head a couple of years ago when I was originally thinking of doing a shop. And, and I kept trying to think of something else to name it. And it just it just keep coming back to that. So, um, uh, yeah, it's, it, if you look it up, it's on for like Facebook, I've got two different Facebook accounts. One's the old broken arrow archery account. But, uh, if you look at under Facebook, it's PRO dash form performance archery, uh, one's performance archery and the other one's performance archery LLC. I keep running them both, but, uh, um, I was able to switch the broken arrow one over to the performance name a couple uh, about a month or so ago. So, um, but uh, yeah, I'm just north of Newark, Ohio, uh, about three miles north of uh, of Newark uh, on State Route 13. It's 2984 Mount Vernon Road, um, and that's Newark, Ohio 43055. And if you want to give me a call, you can call me. Uh, I pretty much answer my the phone the shop phone goes directly to my cell phone too so I pretty much answer it about any time my girlfriend's over here looking at me like yes you do uh, <laughs> uh, um, part of you, the sales world man that's yeah, just part, part of the, the deal. sales world I, I'm, uh, but you can call me at 740-745-8369 is the shop number so and like I said that goes to my cell so so I usually answer it so um, awesome well mike i really appreciate your time and uh we look forward to a good 2020 or 2022 wow i just went backwards yeah, that's yeah, that's real scary we're not doing that yeah. uh but we will talk to you again i'm sure so uh appreciate yeah, sure. you and take care man 
All right. Thank you, Anthony. Take care.